You're listening to Design Talk, a podcast for conversations connecting design with theory, organizations, business, and impact. So, hi everyone, I'm Abhishek. Hello, I'm Harshita. Uh, we're pleased to welcome James Egan, software consultant at Murex. Uh, could you please tell us a little about yourself to start? Firstly, thanks, thanks guys for welcoming me to UCD today. It's great to be back in a lecture theatre again. Um, so yeah, t- about myself, since we're I'm with you guys here in, in UCD, uh, I'll start back at college. So um, I graduated with a master's in energy systems engineering back in 2015. Um, so as, as part of my master's program, I completed an internship in Murex and found that I really enjoyed working in software. So uh, went back to work for Murex full time after uh, finishing my master's. And I've been uh, been in Murex for eight years now. Um, so I've had a number of different roles over the years. Um, I had some client facing roles uh, and for the last few years I've been focused on product management and product owner type roles. Um, so yeah, that's myself in a nutshell. From energy systems to client-facing roles and all that, quite interesting. Interesting switch, I would say. So can you just talk about the industry space that Murex operates in? Yeah, sure. So in a nutshell, so Murex is a fintech company, so f- financial software. So uh, to elaborate on that a little bit, so Murex make a we make a software platform uh, for banks and other financial services firms uh, operating in capital markets. Um, so what we make is what we would refer to anyway as an integrated platform. So uh, to, to try and explain it quite uh, quite simply, we would have on the front office side of a bank, say you would have traders inputting trades throughout the day, booking trades, trying to make money off the markets essentially um, for the bank. And uh, so they would be performing those trades on, on our system, capturing those trades. Um, then on the back office side of things, so what back office is, is once those trades are booked, uh, we need to make sure that the payments go through, the trade is settled, that sort of thing. So we would have uh, back office, the back office department and uh, members of the back office within the bank also working on the Murex system as well. Um, and then middle office uh, generally refers to uh, the risk management side of things as well. So once those trades are booked, the bank is then exposed to a certain amount of risk, right? So uh, easiest example is, uh, you know, the market market risk. So the market swings uh, in a way that's not in your favor. How exposed are you to uh, different financial risks? So uh, we kind of provide an integrated platform for all of those uh, sections and departments of the bank to kind of work together uh, collaboratively on the one system. So that's in a nutshell the... Uh, what Murex do and the, the industry that we operate in. It does seem like an interesting place to work in. Uh, do developers need financial services knowledge to work in this space? Uh, short answer is no. Um, most of our graduate hires um, would would not have any financial background uh, for the most part. So like me, for example, uh, like you guys just said, I... I uh, my background is, or my degree is in energy systems engineering. So I started in Murex knowing nothing about uh, finance. So it's something which you, which kind of, as you get more senior um, and, you know, as your career develops in Murex, it's something that the financial knowledge comes over time. 
what's more important for a graduate, I would say, is, you know, good foundations in from your degree in problem solving, technical abilities. If you're a software developer, you know, uh, development skills, techniques, uh, good grounding and that sort of stuff. And then I would say the financial knowledge kind of comes over time. Is it is it beneficial to have financial knowledge? Uh, definitely. Um, so, you know, if you're a developer or a consultant like myself and you're becoming more senior, of course, you know, understanding finance well, the financial world, capital markets, that sort of stuff, you know, really knowing how our clients operate and what they need from our system is hugely beneficial in terms of, you know, knowing exactly what we should develop, what, what we should prioritize, that sort of stuff. So uh, that's the, the, the longer answer. So I would say no to start with, but it's something that you, you definitely develop over time and becomes, uh, becomes beneficial over the years. So I'm a mechanical engineer myself, so that's what I want to ask you. The next question is that you were an engineer in energy systems and eight years down the lane now you're working uh, in product management. How did you get into it? So maybe to, to roll back the years a bit, like, so when I was in college myself, and I, I mentioned that I did an internship in Murex as part of my master's, I myself couldn't understand why uh, Murex like, saw, you know, could see that I, uh, as an engineer, could bring them some benefit in a, a product management type role. Um, so yeah, for my interview, I was, I was quite confused myself as to what value I could bring to the company. Um, but I left uh, the internship kind of, uh, you know, what I really enjoyed from my engineering degree was, I think it was the problem solving side of things. And, and I got that from, you know, product management in Murex as well. So I, I kind of realized that after my internship, uh, even though I really enjoyed engineering in college, it was it was just the, the problem solving fundamentals that, that really were my passion. So, um, so yeah, like, like when I went back to Murex full time, um, you know, I, I really started seeing Funnily enough, I, I think there's quite a few similarities between engineering and product management, right? So uh, I, I don't want to bore you with, my, with some musings or uh, analogies, but like, so if you're an engineer and you're tasked with building a bridge, right, you're, you're not going to start with um, what color am I going to paint the bridge? If you, if you start with that, you're probably not uh, a very good engineer. <laughs> but, it, you know, uh, you would start with nailing down the requirements, right? So... Um, how many cars need to pass over that bridge at a given time? Uh, does it need to be able to handle heavy articulated trucks and buses and that sort of stuff? So you really nail down the requirements to start with to understand what type of bridge needs to be built, right? And we do the exact same thing in, in product management. So nail down the requirements that dictates and drives what we develop essentially in the software. Um, and yes, like some more, uh, maybe some more analogies um you know in terms of what we what i would see as similarities between engineering and product management again if you take the bridge example um you know to to try and get some feedback on you know a, a proposed kind of high level design of the bridge you might build a prototype uh, a scale prototype of the bridge see how it reacts to forces uh you know how does it uh, perform under uh, kind of similar conditions that a full scale bridge might and we do again, do very similar things to that in, in product management. So we, in Murex anyway, uh, would try and develop prototypes as quickly as possible to try and get feedback as quickly as possible, you know, without all the bells and whistles, get some sort of a product uh, or some sort of a feature there that we can get feedback on. And then we kind of iterative, iter iteratively 
develop uh, based on feedback uh, on that product. So um, funny enough, I, I think there is a lot of uh, similarities between engineering and product management uh, to me anyway. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, you spoke about building an interface. So how does the product development side interact with the customer facing side? There's two main streams in which we would interact with our, uh, our client facing roles. So uh, like in Murex anyway, uh, our main client facing roles would be, we'd have people who are directly supporting our clients. Uh, so existing clients uh, that are using our system on a day-to-day -day basis, supporting those clients, uh, they might ask for some new requirements or, or have problems with the, you know, the existing features that they have. Um, and then we, we would also have client facing roles for uh, people who are helping our clients implement our software. So it's maybe a bank who are going to go live on our software. So we would have client facing roles who are focused on that side of things. And then we would have pre-sales as well. So uh, those are uh, client facing people who are on the ground going to banks, trying to get them to buy our software essentially. So how the main ways in which we would interact, sort of the first way uh, for me as, as a product manager anyway, is the client is really the the kind of the voice of the client for me. Uh, client services are the voice of the client for me. So, um, you know, they're working very, very closely with our clients on a day-to-day -day basis. So they are uh, feeding to me information like uh, what the clients like about our system, uh, what are the pain points? What are the requirements that we can't meet? Um, and you know, there might be new regulation in the financial world, that sort of stuff. So would that that sort of information would filter through to me uh, via our, our client services department. And then also information from pre-sales, which is very important in terms of product management, would be what do we not have in our software, which is causing us to lose out on new deals and, and get new customers essentially. So that's the first way is kind of, uh, you know, being the voice of the client and feeding, getting all that, gathering that feedback from clients and uh, providing them to us in, in product management. And then in Murex anyway, uh, a second kind of stream would be on the support, more on the support side of things. So I mentioned we would have, uh, in client services, we would have people who are, uh, supporting our existing clients. So if they have an, an issue, uh, they experience uh, an issue on the software, um, they, if they can't you know, quickly get to the, the root cause of the issue, they might lean on us in product development to really understand what's going on under the hood in the platform uh, in terms of the technology, et cetera. They might lean on us to, to help debug and understand support issues. So they would be the two main ways in which we uh, in which we interact. So just talking about clients, so sometimes they do come up with requirements, right? So how do you, what sort of approach do you follow in managing and gathering those requirements? So I, I think on this, I'll, uh, I'll probably touch on uh, a framework which we, which we use in Murex. So uh, it's called a scaled agile framework. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have, have heard about it in your, in your studies yet, um, but my, uh, it's, what I see in a nutshell in terms of what scale, the scaled agile framework is or safe is kind of uh, just how to practice agile principles at scale, right? So uh, we have a huge, huge number of clients. Uh, like I think we've 300 uh, banks and other financial firms who, uh, who use our software. So, um, you know, we, we would have a, also a large amount of requirements filtering through to us in product management. Um, so 
we would have maybe some small specific uh, client requirements. So a given client in a particular region wants uh, to be able to meet this new requirement. And then we would have other huge large scale projects um, that we think are going to benefit lots of our clients, right? So for example, we have a, a project ongoing at the moment in which we have, uh, I think, 25 different agile teams working on the one project. So huge projects, uh, lots of interaction. So we need some sort of a framework uh, to, to help us kind of prioritize those big, huge projects against uh, you know those smaller little projects. And how, how we would do that using the SAFE principles is, um, firstly, we understand the value that a given, uh, you know, feature is going to bring right so if it's a if it's one of those huge projects is it going to bring lots of value to um to like a massive number of our clients is it just a few clients that sort of thing uh and also what is in terms of understanding the value we would kind of do some analysis on what's the cost to us for not implementing these features right so maybe we lose out on deals so it's kind of a loss of value as well for murex as a company so uh firstly we would understand the value that it brings um, and then secondly we would understand the cost of developing that new requirement right so is it going to take one development team you know a month to develop this or is it going to take 25 development teams two years uh, so we, we kind of use both both the value and the cost uh, under the, the safe principles and kind of weigh those up together to try and understand how do we prioritize um, so that's essentially how we would prioritize a Murex anyway, analyzing the cost and the value and uh, using that to decide what should drive uh, the items on our roadmap, essentially. I also remember you mentioning about how you were confused when uh, Murex initially hired you, thinking of what you'd do as an engineer. But being on the other side, what do you look in for in new hires at the moment? So for, for new hires... Um, for me personally, and I, and I think uh, it's it's probably a, a Murex wide thing, and I, I touched on it earlier. What I would see as key is problem solving. Um, so problem solving is uh, for me the most important requirement. Uh, if you're a good problem solver, and you, you like you really like to get a big problem problem, break it down into smaller pieces, understand it, come up with some solutions, etc. Uh, that's what I would look for in. Uh, first thing I would look for in, in new hires anyway, I think that's the most important thing. Um, but like I said, financial knowledge uh, definitely is, is a kind of, uh, it, it's a it's a kind of a cherry on the cake sort of thing, uh, but not, not the most important requirement. Um, also what I would look for is uh, someone who's, you know, keen to learn new things, shows that they're keen to learn new things, willing to learn. Like you do have to learn the, the financial knowledge side of things and uh, learn all of the, the development principles of Murex, how we work, that sort of thing. Uh, like I'm in, I'm in Murex eight years now and I'm still learning new things every day. And for me, that's what keeps the job interesting. So, um, you know, as a graduate uh, or a new hire, if, if you can show that, you know, you, you do have an eagerness to learn new things, I think that's that's very beneficial as well. Um, so they would be my two, uh, two main uh, points that I'd look for in new hires. All right. So, like, let's say there's a new hire who has no prior knowledge in the financial background. What are the go-to technologies and tools which can help secure the job? So, to to try and understand finance a little better. Finance a little better, or maybe just get what Murex works like with the tools and technologies that Murex works with. 
So it, yeah, okay. So in, in terms of the tools and technologies that Mirex work with, um, so like uh, typical tools, uh, product management type tools that we use is Jira anyway, um, and other tools like for me, uh, like something that's key for me in in product management and for my own work in general is prioritization. So if you're if you get good at prioritizing, uh, I think it can be very effective in the role. Uh, so like obviously we in product management we have to be good at prioritizing dif different features but I, I follow the same approach myself every morning uh, to prioritize my own tasks and, and for that I use Trello um, and then there's, there's lots of resources online if you wanted to get some uh, financial knowledge things like Investopedia. Uh in software development, I'm sure uh, design plays a huge role. So where do you see uh, design taking place? What for you is design? And yeah, like for me, design is is everywhere in product management. So um, to maybe like I think it goes from the the highest level all the way down to the the most granular level. So to, to explain what I mean by that, um, so for me, design starts. So once we nail down the requirements, right? That's that's when design starts. We get it. We get it. Nail down the requirements. We know what it, what uh, the request for a, a given new feature, a new given feature is. Um, so design starts right at that high level. So these are the requirements, uh, high level. What are the uh, functionally? What do we need to deliver here in the platform to be able to meet this requirement, right? So um, that's that's an example of where we would start, and then. Once functionally we're clear on uh, the, what the high-level design might be, then the, the high-level technical design starts. So what services are going to interact with each other to meet this requirement? Maybe what technologies should be used here, like high-level components in the platform which should interact with each other uh, to meet this requirement, technologies, that sort of stuff. So it starts at very high-level stuff, um, and that, like, th that kind of high-level technical design would kind of come from our senior developers who are not necessarily part of any development team, right? So it then filters all, like design comes at every single stage. So what, what we would then do is we'd, you know, we'd break a, a given an, a new feature down into smaller, what we call user stories, so smaller requirements, right? And we would have design in each one of those user stories. So a user story, uh, you know, in terms of design, we might be thinking, all right, this, uh, what is this little small part of the UI going to look like here? Uh, what UI component are we going to use? What should we do if a user inputs information that we wouldn't expect? Uh, so design is, is everywhere for me. Starts at the highest level and goes all the way down to the, the most granular level of uh, execution in of the the feature and delivering the feature uh, in terms of user stories. So I believe we can move to the audience and ask them if they have any questions. Great. Hi, my name is Kathy. Uh, I worked uh, as a financial analyst in a, a financial information company. So we do have fintech platform. And like, uh, as you said, you receive requirements from the customers and build the product. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm understanding that Murex is a standardized product for banks, right? It's not a customized product just for one client. Uh, so it's it's both actually. Um, so what we try and we try and deliver a kind of a platform which has a lot of this, the common requirements across the big banks, right? So uh, regulation, 
you know, m- most banks have to meet the same regulation, right? Uh, but then we also have to make it customizable also because they they have to meet the same regulation, but each bank might have slightly different requirements. So um, I'd say in the past, it, the, the platform was uh, extremely customizable and became very heavy for us to, to maintain that in, in product management. So we're, we're trying to bring uh, so like a level of standardization uh, of the platform so that we can literally just drop our you know software platform to a given bank uh, and they have they should have 90 95 percent of the requirements met but then you need that last uh you know five percent of customization as well so it's 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 a mix of both i would say so like i was wondering i think the hardest job about product manager is the ability of saying no to customers so (laughs) um like what kind of challenge did you face when you you know you need to reject the customers hey we cannot do just one function for you and yeah like how do you react to that yeah like it's it's a you're right it, it is a hard part of the job um and it's it's probably something that we in the past we we weren't great on we, we probably always said yes too much and then what happens is you know your your code base essentially becomes unmaintainable you're, you're it's just a highly customizable platform um so like we just have to to learn to kind of partner with our clients a bit more um and you know kind of help them understand that if you know by us saying no to some requirements, it allows us to deliver other more important requirements faster, right? Um, it is a hard part of the job, but I think to be effective product managers and to have a software platform that's scalable and uh, scalable over time, and you know that you can continue to to be agile with and deliver features quickly, you you just have to learn to say no, and you have to learn to say no in the right way. <laughs> um, hello, my name is Jacqueline. Um, I feel quite, um, I felt similar to your story because my background is petroleum engineering and now I'm in business analytics. So sometimes it can be a little scary to think about my professional future. So my question is like, was it difficult for you to adapt to this new environment or this new field? Yeah, good question, Jacqueline. Um, for me, it, it, it just kind of happened. Like I probably would have had the same worries uh, as you t- to start with maybe uh, not being sure about uh, you know how I would get on in a company like Murex coming from engineering but it, it I kind of just naturally developed the, the soft skills over time and then it, like I mentioned the willingness to learn uh, earlier on in, in one of the previous questions like if you're eager to learn new concepts like for me learning finance was uh, a totally new concept something that I found quite interesting so uh you know, learn quite quickly the financial side of things. So, um, yeah, like I, I wouldn't be too worried if you're if you're someone who likes learning new things uh, and yeah, like the, the soft skills you just develop over time. I think so. Uh, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that, and I think it just kind of happens organically for for most people. Hi, uh, I want to know that in a product, uh, customers are the most important aspect or clients when you build a product. So how does Murex takes into account uh, customers' feedback or clients' feedback, how that is incorporated in the code, basically, when it's some, there are some changes? And sometimes also the clients don't know, don't know what they want, actually. So uh, they try to change in between their specifications and their stuff. So how 
that change is incorporated in the code and what timelines does it take or i probably touched on this a little bit in in answering the previous questions like for me uh that that's where the, the whole waterfall uh you know development practices i don't i think don't work um because clients don't always know exactly what they want so uh, like nailing down the requirements is important but sometimes the requirements can't be crystal clear so what we do anyway in murex is try and follow a development process by which we can kind of start getting um feedback as quickly as possible right so again develop a product that doesn't have all the bells and whistles high level we think this might meet the requirements uh, and start showing it to customers as soon as possible uh, or or our client services department who work directly with customers get feedback as quickly as possible and then just keep adapting uh, and and being agile to change essentially so i would say being agile to change is uh, is what's key there and i don't think yeah i don't think we'll ever solve the problem of of customers don't always know exactly what they want so uh, that's why in mirex anyway we we try and be as agile to change as possible hi i'm luisa um, you mentioned that an important skill you're looking for is problem solving. Do you have any example of how a person could demonstrate that or something similar? Because I always feel like that's a skill that's not really measurable or easily demonstrated. Yeah, good question. So like we try in interviews anyway, we try and maybe ask some problem solving type questions. Um, and I think that in, in one of the and one of the interview processes you might be asked to do some do out some problem solving type type processes also it's you know it's it's generally quite clear from your degree and your background i would say uh have you got those uh problem solving foundations so uh you know courses like this and engineering and uh, software development all those kind of slightly technical courses uh i think give you a solid foundation in, in problem solving if you can get on well in those in those courses, I think you can get on well in, in a place like Murex and in product management. So um, we, we do try and tease that out in, in interviews and ask some questions that kind of, it's it's not like getting to the, like we don't want to see that you can just get the perfect answer on a problem. It's like, what's your what's your thought process? So we, we might ask some questions around that. Like, how do you how do you break down a problem, step through it uh, and, you know, maybe come up with some sort of an answer but it's more like the, the process of problem solving how you think are you a critical thinker that sort of thing as well as uh you know your your background and your degree uh i think both of those kind of show that you're a, a good problem solver yeah uh, actually we learned about coll uh, collective creativity process today so i was just wondering what would be the like the environment that um you know promotes creativity yeah like uh, it probably uh it probably links back to the question that we had around design right so um how we would work in murex is any of those any of those times that we're trying to come up with a design is we would get generally get everybody in a room um and just flesh things out come up with different solutions uh lots of whiteboard work and that sort of stuff um for me it's like making sure that everyone's together um and being able to work in a in as much uh creative and collaborative way as possible so that sort of stuff was was actually probably a challenge while everyone was working remotely I, I find uh we can be a lot more it's a lot easier to be creative and collaborative when everyone's in a room together um so yeah for me it, it kind of happens the creativity 
uh, in terms of design happens uh, at a lot of different stages in Murex and um, it's generally all about you know getting everyone together in a room getting lots of different ideas and kind of ag agreeing together what the best solution is to a given problem because um uh like in my previous workplace the product manager was actually the one who finalized everything so everybody kind of like get their ideas on the table but he's the one who's like say okay that is good and that is not good and i don't know if it's um a good way to do it because sometimes i feel scared to give my ideas so um what's your take about it like yeah like that's something that we uh we're really trying to promote in murex so, so you, you do need someone who's going to make a final decision right otherwise uh it's it's very hard to get anywhere right but um we have a number of initiatives in murex now to try and make uh to prevent exactly what you said kathy isn't it yeah um so yeah to, to try and you know, make people feel comfortable to to share their ideas because generally, um, you know, a, a lot of our great ideas come from uh, from all levels. Essentially, it's it's not just uh, you know senior people have great ideas all the time. Um, you know, it's it, like collaborative and collective thinking is is how you come up with the best solutions. So we, I wouldn't have time to go into it now, but we have a number of initiatives in in Murex to to try and promote as much as possible that uh, we make everyone comfortable to share their ideas. Um, we try and make sure that everyone has time essentially in those uh, you know, collaborative meetings to share their ideas. And then uh, there will be a, a, a final decision maker, but we try and make sure that everybody has some sort of in, input on, on design and, and creative thinking. Um, does Murex have a consulting function? Yes. So. Technically, my uh, like my high level job title is a is a consultant, uh, but specifically, I'm I'm on the product management side of things, uh, and the 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 term consulting is is quite broad as well, right? Uh, so, if you mean consulting from, do we kind of provide as well as as well as software? Do we provide uh, kind of uh, a consulting service to banks, etc. I would say yes, we do. Like we have lots of financial experts in Murex as well who can can go to banks and say, "Look, this is what we have in the software, but this is my take on what this regulation means. This is what I think you guys need to implement." That sort of thing. So we do we do uh, provide software, um, but we also provide a kind of uh, I guess a level of knowledge to uh to clients as well by having those kind of financial experts in murex also but again the, the term consulting is is quite broad so is it um mostly a SaaS company and then some parts are customizable and then like you said sometimes you give some advice good question so it's it's we're not yet mostly SaaS. uh so we are we are trying to move more towards the SaaS side of things so traditionally uh we would have been just you know we would have been uh, single like on premise instance so uh clients have to have hardware etc uh they have to have their own hardware that can install the murex system um and then they host host themselves um so we are moving towards SaaS. it's a big change for us and it's it's uh you know in the financial uh industry uh you know data security etc is a big topic and it's uh it's difficult for us to easily transition over to the SaaS side of things it is something 
that's ongoing. We have some clients on SaaS where we host uh, in Murex, you know, we host the instance and uh, support the the software, et cetera, from Murex. Um, but yeah, we are trying to move towards SaaS. And the, the second part of your question was? Um, I think that answered my question. I find the um, transformation interesting because I was working at a company while they were trying to move from something that was supposed to be more SaaS, but was kind of consulting and the product was in between. So how are you finding the transition into a SaaS company? How long do you think that'll take? It's going to take, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a while anyway. Um, yeah, years. Um, it's not, not something that's going to happen overnight. Uh, it's, it's been ongoing for a number of years now and will be ongoing for, for some more years. And like, I, I think we, we might still have clients in the future who don't want this the SaaS model they they want to host themselves have their all of their data hosted protected by themselves uh, not in uh, one of our Murex offices so it it might be in future that um like possibly you know maybe smaller clients will be happy to uh, allow us hosts uh, and offer them software as a service whereas maybe bigger banks uh, might want to host the software themselves so it's yeah it's going to be ongoing for a few years i would say Okay, that's interesting to hear about. Hi, this is Anushka. Is data analytics a specialization at your company? Yeah, yes. Uh, data analytics, you know, when you, in the financial world and for banks operating in, in financial markets, the, the amount of data is, is huge, you know, millions of trades, uh, huge amount of market data, etc. Uh, so yeah, data analytics is, is very important, um, you know, being able to understand trends over time, maybe simulate different trends, analyze that data. Uh, so yeah, we'd have lots of people who are very experienced in, on the data analytics side of things and is definitely extremely important in the financial world when you just consider the amount of data that's, that's out there. It's huge. Um, so yes, definitely. Uh, you talked about working with banks and maybe helping them with the trading part. So do you also help them with the credit risk management part or maybe providing analytics to that? Yeah, good question. So that's actually my uh, main area of expertise in terms of uh, product management. So uh, I I work in product management in credit risk. So uh, yeah, if you want me to expand on that a little bit, like essentially what we do is, so credit risk is, um, as a bank, it's it's a risk that you're not going to get paid what you owed, right? Um, like my main main area of pro product management expertise is how do you firstly capture that credit risk? So once a trade is booked, how do you how do we calculate what that credit risk is? Uh, so I would work on that side of things, but then also how do you control that credit risk? So you might be willing to be exposed by a certain amount to a given bank it's it's essentially putting limits on your on your credit risk figures yeah uh, so if i'm lending you uh you know a thousand how uh you know i'm maybe i'm only willing to uh to lend you a thousand and I, that limit my exposure to sort of thing so how do we firstly capture credit risk and then how do we control it and stop it from exceeding a certain amount and do you also work on products like maybe credit cards loans and all that it's an area which uh it certainly isn't our bread and butter um it, it's it's more the, the capital markets side of things it, it's an area which we're, we're kind of uh exploring a little bit um like I, I mentioned the amount of data that's just on the capital market side of things but when you when you start bringing in credit cards and maybe you know more um personal banking then the amount 
of data just ex explodes. Uh, it's it's huge. So yeah, for now it's uh, yeah, kind of just exploratory. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. No, I really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks a lot for having me, and thanks to to Alan for organising this today. It was great to be back in UCD. Lots of great questions as well. Uh, seems like you guys are very interested in uh, product development. Um, so yeah, it was great to be here. Thank you for listening. The music used is Voltaic Fluctuations by Ben Prunty and used with his permission. 